Are you ready to make a real difference in the world and especially to the people around you? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where we celebrate the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. We welcome you to another conversation that we believe will provide you with the insight and inspiration you need on your journey. Here's your host, Kevin Monroe. Welcome to episode 132 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. I'm delighted that you are joining us today, and I'm grateful for the conversations that we have the privilege of hosting here on the podcast, as well as those that go beyond the podcast. And there have been some fascinating ones recently. I'm going to share two of them, if you don't mind, as we get started here. I'll only take a moment. Just four days ago now, from the time of this recording, I had two beautiful interactions, and they were about an hour apart. Both are directly connected to this podcast and the amazing community that grows out of this podcast. And it just adds fuel to the flames and the fire of why I love podcasting. So check these two out. Here's the first message. Kevin, really nice to meet you. Absolute fan of your podcast and conversations. I know you like stories and coincidences. So here's the story in short. I listen to you while driving, so never get around to check the links you share, and I kept hearing about Humans First Club. Two weeks ago, I thought you must meet and talk to Melissa. Her gratitude book coming out is what I think triggered it. I started an email to you and got a little voice telling me to check out the Humans First Club first. You can guess the rest of the story. Well, that's Claire from Ireland. The rest of the story is this, that the Melissa she's talking about is Melissa Hughes. And when she reached out and saw that, Melissa was actually the person that introduced Claire and me and also included our friend Mike Ficanti in that conversation. So that was a beautiful one. Well, just a few minutes before that one arrived, there was this one from my friend and fellow Zag, Jason Mucci. Jason wrote... And just so you know, I have permission from both of these people to share their stories. This one gets personal. I don't even know where to begin with the challenging and troubling times I've been experiencing the last few months. And I'm long overdue in sharing with you just what a centering and clarifying presence you've continued to be in my life during that time, just through your podcast. It seems like whenever I was most broken, most unsure of myself, or most unclear about my path, you, your guest, and your message always seemed to be there with just what I needed to hear. Wow. Well, that's my gratitude for today. Claire, Jason, thanks for allowing me to share your stories. And they're just beautiful. And folks, that's what this is about. It's about you, me connecting and you connecting with one another, you connecting with the amazing guests that join us here. Now, let's get to today's episode. And it comes with warning the conversation you're about to hear might make some of you uncomfortable, even very uncomfortable. Then, There are others of you whom I know personally, and you will be elated over this conversation, another conversation on this topic, because like Lori and me, Lori's today's guest, you believe we cannot have enough 
conversations on this topic. So let me welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, Lori Corquera. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> so, Lori, well, you said, how would you say your name? My first name is actually Lorelai, but my short name is Lori, Lori Corquera. Corquera. Mm-hmm. Lori, what is it that we're going to talk about today? Ooh, well, something that, like you said, might be uncomfortable or might be enriching is about love. Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, see where it goes. It could be love at work and love at home, like just love all around. Yeah, love all around. But really, when we start talking about love at work, mm-hmm. people start getting uncomfortable. So before we get all gushy on this love stuff, which we're not going to <laughs> gushy on this love stuff, let's do a couple of things that you who are listening are accustomed to hearing in each of the conversations here. So Lori, what are you grateful for as you and I connect in this conversation today? I'm grateful for being alive, for another opportunity to share my love. And I'm excited for this conversation. So thank you so much. I'm grateful for you, Kevin. Oh, and I'm grateful for you. And, you know, Lori, I'm grateful. I don't even remember how we first met, mm-hmm. but I'm just grateful for how webs are weaved or woven. I don't know what's the right word, but how webs happen in today's world. And all of a sudden, like-hearted, like-minded people from different parts of the world, different parts of the country find one another, and we end up in conversation, and we realize that we're not that different after all. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I'm grateful for. So you and I've had multiple conversations leading to this one today. Yes. I'm excited to have you here. This is not the first conversation I've hosted on love on the higher purpose podcast, but I'm really excited about the one you and I are going to have. Mm-hmm. So help us get to know you mm-hmm. and your work a little bit that provides the background and the context for a, a conversation on love. Yes. Thank you. Well, because we're talking about higher purpose, I want to start off with my life purpose, which is to live wow and love completely. And that came about after a life-changing experience. I went through a divorce. And up until that moment, I have been living my life for other people. Like It was really externally focused. I didn't look inwards to understand who I am and what I stand for. And I'll share a little bit about my values throughout our conversation, I'm sure it'll come up, but my life purpose is to live wow and love completely. And what that means is that every day, my intention is to co-create wow experiences. And wow could be even something that might be scary, like our conversation today, or something that makes you say, wow, I can't believe we did that. And then the love completely is a reminder to love myself and others completely. Is I really truly believe when we accept our whole being, then we can love others more freely. And more fully. <laughs> Lori, I did not know that about you. Oh. Um, I'm really excited to know that. And I'm just going to do a call out to a friend, Teresa Quinlan. I think you've met Teresa. Teresa's going to love this because Teresa always ribs me a little because I say wow a lot. And I say <laughs> wow in all kind of different ways. To me, living wow is just the perfect response. And when something happens, you just go, wow. It catches your attention. It grabs your heart or whatever it is. And wow is just a beautiful response. So I love that. I love that. So, what else? Tell us about the work you do. And when 
did you stumble on love mm -hmm. in the context of work? Yeah, the context of work. It just sort of happened organically because when I started to learn more about myself and my value being love, I started to realize that what I was experiencing and how I was showing up in my day to day with my team at the time when I was working in my corporate job was that we are creating a loving experience. I felt the same feeling I would feel when I was at home with my family or my sisters or anyone that was really close. I was starting to feel that same kind of energy within the workplace to the point, Kevin, that one time I started writing my emails and I would write my signature, Love Lori. And I remember sending it to one of my team members who was a recruitment manager, who's a guy and we're friends. Of course, we're all like, I was working in a tech company. So most of them were male. But I'm saying love Lord and I'm thinking, oh no, what's he going to think? Like, how did that come out? Because I was sharing it slowly with other people on my team who happened to be women. And he told me later, I mean, it was all cool. And we always said, I love you at the end of the day. But he told me later, the first time he received it, he was a bit surprised. Yeah. But then eventually he realized that it was this family energy that we were creating. And it was contagious because everyone felt that natural care. I don't know, it just sort of came out and then it just became part of my everyday language. And so hmm. really it started becoming more clear after I had a moment, actually, I was with a group of executives and the two of the executives started to have an argument and I was trying so hard to stop the fighting because we had other people in the room and other people outside waiting. And while they were fighting, I started to cry. And it just came out like I just didn't want to have that vulnerability come out, but it just happened. And so I wiped my tears off. I went to the washroom and came back and the meeting continued on. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I walked back to my office after the meeting and I said to my HR manager, I said, you wouldn't believe what I just did. I ended up crying in front of all these male executives. And just before I could finish the story, one male executive came in and another one and another one. All of them came to see me right after one and one to say, Lori, it was so good to finally see the real you. Mm. Mm. And that's when I knew that I was holding back on sharing my love. And that's when I started on my love journey. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I want to ask another question. People may not know this about you. I know this about you because really you've done a lot of work around culture. Mm -hmm. And you and I are going to have a conversation about culture because you've got a report coming out about that, which I thought that was going to be the conversation we'd have first. Yes. And all of yes. a sudden we're talking about that and you said, oh, I want to talk about love. And I'm like, oh, you want to talk about love? I want to talk about love. So we're talking about love at this moment. But have you seen connections between the culture work and love environment? Yes, definitely. I mean, when I think about, and I've been asked about this question before, like what does true leadership or inspiring leadership look like, right? When we describe the best leader that we've ever worked with, we describe it as a feeling or when we describe what is an ideal culture or the best workplace experience, we describe it as a feeling. And if you were to have two columns of the most challenging experience and most positive experience, the words that we use from caring, connection, collaboration, human or just feeling seen or any of those ones around the positive experience versus the fear-based experience, it's all about love. It's all about being human. And to be human is to love and to love is be human. So there is definitely a connection. And even in our report, 
one of the top five themes that came about was that workplace culture is something that is felt. And I remember launching this at a pre-launch event with some of the people that participated. And maybe there were like two or three people that said, I don't really understand what that means, <laughs> feeling, right? Because the majority of it, everyone was saying, it. we agree, it's, it's about a feeling. But I think that there's some people that maybe it, there's a disconnect on what that might feel like. And maybe they're just on a spectrum of, they have that. It's just that they're not there yet. And eventually they'll realize when they have that experience that it is around feeling and being human. Okay. So folks, just so you know, there's a future conversation with Lori coming back and we're going to talk about culture specifically. You said something about love and signing emails and it reminded me of a story and I'll link it in the show notes. What was the episode? Because this goes way back in the Higher Purpose podcast. But I was talking to my friend Kiri Inge, who's the editor and founder of Rank and File magazine out of Norway. Mm -hmm. and she had this same experience. She was working in a corporate organization environment. Mm -hmm. And Christmas time had come and she had written cards for her colleagues and given gifts. And her boss called her in the office and said, Carrie, what did you do? You signed a Christmas card, love. We don't use that word. Mm, wow. And it ultimately led to her saying, doing a values check like you've talked, and she left the organization. It led to her starting her own enterprise now, which is a beautiful thing called Rank and File Magazine. So why does love matter? Mm -hmm. And specifically, why does love belong in mm -hmm. conversations about work? Yeah, I feel like what's coming up for me right now is to first start with why love feels uncomfortable. And then I want to shift to why love matters. And the reason I bring this up is because I'd love to share that story now where I was asked to speak at a conference and it was a coaching conference. I'm a certified coach. So I was like, wow, this amazing organization wants to do a two-day conference with their leaders to share the power of coaching, which is around empowering conversations and their people. Sign me up. I'm Here's my bio. I'm ready to go. And she was ready to go to the person that was inviting me that was actually working within that organization. And then she shares it with their executive team. And they basically said, I wasn't aligned with what they were looking for. So then I said, well, what was it about my application, right? Because I was just curious and I wanted to learn. And it was my use of the word love. And that really shocked me. I was so, so surprised by the response. I did get an emotional reaction at first. I was pretty upset, Kevin. Like, to be honest, I started talking to all my friends. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like what's going on in the world. Why is this happening? And then once I calmed down and I started to reflect, I'm like, wait a minute. There's different kinds of love, first of all, and everyone has a different experience with love. It could be a bad experience, a personal experience. Maybe their definition of love is different. It's only personal versus work-related. And we know some people keep personal and work separate. Or it could be that they just don't even know what it is and something that's unknown feels uncomfortable. And so once we understand what's getting in the way of this idea of love, why I feel love really matters in the workplace is because what's happening is what's the opposite of love is that it's, it's fear. When we have ego, when we let things get in the way, when we have emotional reactions, when we don't take the time to be present or to connect with our people, all those opposite behaviors of what we see as an ideal leader 
that is what's happening in a fear-based organization or when we let fear get in the way for us to be fully more authentic. And so the opposite is love, if we can get to that place. And you can call it compassion and everything else. And I have also changed my words in like my language right when I'm saying it, I catch myself because I'm trying to connect with the individual that I'm speaking with and and to meet them where they're at. But at the same time, I'm also becoming way more stronger and confident to say, you know what, I'm just going to say what it is because the more we say it, the more it's going to be more accepted. Okay. Wow. There are a couple of things I want to dive into there with you, Lori. (laughs) One of those, I want to reference a book that a friend of mine, or well, He wasn't a friend when he wrote the book because he wrote the book. We got to know one another. He became a friend and a mentor. Erie Chapman Mm -hmm. was president and CEO of three different hospital systems. And he introduced the concept of compassionate care and love in the hospitals. And he wrote a book, Radical Loving Care. Mm -hmm. And I love the book and got to know Erie well. and, And he was telling me stories of at a couple of the hospitals, the board, the board chair, had sat him down and goes, you know, we're all for what we're doing here, what you're leading here at the hospital. And we love the outcomes. But couldn't we call it compassionate care? Mm -hmm. We don't like the use of the word love. Mm -hmm. And Erie, to his credit, said, nope, I'm sorry. Anything short of love just doesn't cut it. Now, I get where you're coming from, Lori, you know, that we meet people where there are. And it's so funny because people do often have a visceral response to the use of the word love. They're fine to talk about care. They're fine to talk about compassion or other things. But some people go, "Mm, really? Love? Yeah, they related so much with romantic love. And even when I started doing this work, Kevin, when you Google love in the workplace, all that comes up is office romance. It is, it is. That's all that comes up with millions of entries. So until the majority of us start to reframe the definition of love, it just keeps repeating itself. There's this program that's being repeated from generation to generation with the Valentine's Day being all about love, romance love. So it is tricky or family love, but I'm determined. I mean, I I agree with Erie. There's no other word to explain the kind of love that we're talking about. So. I know I mentioned this to you when you and I were just talking the other day, and this is an audio podcast, but I'm holding it up because Lori and I are on Zoom. And it's funny because this is a book written by C.S. Lewis in 1960. I keep like five or six books in arm's reach on my desk. And this is one starting sometime last year. I dug out of the shelf bookcase and just keep it on my desk because it's the four loves. And to show you how old it is or date it, On the cover right here, it says the book costs $2.45. Now, it's been a long time since books cost $2.45. But the four loves, you know, and C.S. Lewis goes into the Greek language that had four different words for love. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that trips us up. Because when we use the word love, we say, I love my spouse, my partner, I love my mom, I love apple pie, I love my car, I love my dog, I love my job. And we're using the same word, but we're really not meaning the same thing in those various contexts, are we? Well, you know, it's interesting that you brought that as an example, because when I do 
bring the idea of love and how to bring more love in the workplace and someone responds in a certain way where they're confused, you know, you could just tell that, you know, either they're not saying anything or they're, it's very obvious that they're uncomfortable with the use of the word love. I then ask them, well, what do you want your company, uh, your customers to say about your products? What do you want your employees or your staff to say about your company? I love my company. I love the products. I love this. They're using the word love, love, love. I said, so what's the difference? If you want your customers and your people to love, then you need to love your people. It's the same kind of love. <laughs> and they get it after I say that because they get caught up with the idea, like they actually use the word love. <laughs> okay. I love that. Wait, well, look at there. I love that. I think for you and me, though, we use love and wow a lot too. <laughs> we do. So you made this reference. Mm -hmm. I actually looked it up last year because I'd heard this. I've quoted Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross for years, talking mm -hmm. about there are only two primary emotions because I'd found that quotation. Well, last year I got really intrigued and I dug out the source of where she wrote that. Okay. And she wrote it in a book, Reflections on Death and Dying. Oh, wow. He worked with hospice patients in hospital settings. And in this, that's when she started recognizing their two primary emotions, fear and love. And that the biggest regret that people have is that most of their lives, they were paralyzed by fear. Mm -hmm. So let's come back to the workplace. You talked about this. I mean, mm -hmm. I know several leaders that use the word love and where they found this was in the same line of thinking that you're talking about. What do they have in the workplace that they don't want? Fear. Mm -hmm. My friend Rich Sheridan, he talks about, it's like the heating and air conditioning system. You know, what are you pumping into the environment? Mm -hmm. You're either pumping in fear or you're pumping in love. Mm -hmm. And that permeates the environment. I think everybody would say we want less fear because we've recognized the problems of fear in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So how do people respond when you start leading them? If you don't have fear, what are you going to have in its place? Well, I love that you brought that up because I always start with, if they don't understand what love is, tell me what's currently happening in your workplace. Yeah. Tell me what doesn't feel right. What are the pains? What are the challenges? What are things that are keeping you up at night? So they then explain, my people are not working well together. They're working in silos. They're not collaborating. They're not coming up with ideas and being creative and innovating. They're not challenging or asking questions. They seem to be afraid to show up or maybe they're not even showing up physically. They're just becoming absent and, and sick. And when I ask and dig a little bit more on what the root cause of that, or what that might be that's causing that sort of toxic behavior or that kind of environment, it comes back to this idea of psychological safety or fear. Hopefully the word fear comes up, but even if they didn't say that, it's all the same. And so then once they kind of feel that feeling that's heavy, it's draining, it doesn't get them excited, and I get, so now describe what's your ideal. In the dream state, how would you want your people to describe the ideal experience? And so they start to talk about they're more connected, working together. You could just see that their eyes light up and they're just putting their hand up and they're fully engaged and saying, I want to do this and I want to do that. They're wanting to share and improve and challenge the status quo, all those things. Great. So how do we create that feeling? What would they need to feel? 
to get to have that behavior. It's just about facilitating this conversation to get to that place. And then it really is about love and fear. But even if it's not said in that context, they understand that there's two different ways of being in an organization. So if someone asked you to explain or define love in the context that you're talking about, how do you describe that for them, Lori? I describe it as a feeling of your people and you. I always say you and the people because I feel like it has to start with the leadership team feeling the same way. It's hard to ask a leader to be there for their people when they don't even feel appreciated. So starting from the top and then throughout the organization, imagine that every single team member feels worthy, feels valued, feels seen, heard, and cared for. What is possible for them? If they feel that true connection to themselves and others, anything is possible. I think about the teams that I worked with really well with. We had complete trust. I knew they had my back. I knew I could say anything and they wouldn't judge me. I knew that any idea was a great idea, but whatever the idea where we had different perspectives, we'd still be able to build upon that. And we were able to create things that was beyond what we even dreamed of. The possibilities. So that's probably describing, you know, my, I'm using a lot of eyes and energy, as you can see in my Zoom video. Like, it's just they can feel that. And I think because I'm able to communicate it, and also because I felt that, Kevin, like I felt love in the workplace. And so I can explain from personal experience what that feels like and how it can look like. But also I felt the other way where I was in a complete fear-based environment. So I think we just have to dig a little bit deeper. We've all had some similar experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I'm pausing because uh, my heart's hurting because I had a conversation with a really good friend mm-hmm. Friday. And then again, Saturday, Friday, I found out that a good friend had just had to, the best word I can use is escape a -hmm. toxic workplace, a toxic culture Mm -hmm. and is looking for this love. And so the thought that came to mind, Lori, I want to ask you a question, but I want to ask you about companies, you know, or leaders, you know, that are loving well at work. Mm -hmm. But the reality is you just said this and that's what triggered the thought. You've experienced both. Mm -hmm. You know, I hope everyone if they've not yet had the experience of having a loving leader, that they have that. But mm-hmm. I am pretty sure they've all experienced a fear-based workplace, mm-hmm. right? So when you think of either organizations or individuals that are loving well at work, mm-hmm. what comes to mind for you? And you don't have to use names. You can, that's fine. But I mean, just kind of paint the picture of what you've mm-hmm. seen or experienced. Yeah, well, I will start first with Spark. And I know that obviously has to do with love being one of our core values. So we've attracted the leaders or individuals that are similar. And my business partner is very, very loving. And we use the word love a lot. And everything that we do in terms of our activities is always bringing our love, connection, and fun values. I know I'm just so fortunate to have that around me. But it's hard because... I've worked with a lot of companies now, over 100 companies specifically in the last eight years. And it's really hard to find, there's moments where you have some inspiration, there's moments of presence, there's this desire to be more caring and to be more kind. But the challenge, Kevin, is that everyone 
is struggling so hard to just keep it together in their world, whether they have family or not. There's a lot of distraction in the world. So while there's good intentions, I feel it's very hard for anyone and everyone to keep that as a consistent way of being. And I haven't met Claude Silver, but I would say just from the videos that I've seen and with the talk that she's had with you, I guess, several ones, and I've, I've listened to a lot of her podcasts, and just the way she comes across, it seems to me, and you could tell me from firsthand experience, that she's a loving leader, and she comes from a place of love. So that's the person that's coming to mind right now, but I've not met her. I've never walked in Vayner Media, so I don't know what the day-to-day is like. I can only imagine, because even Gary Vee talks about love as well. So, Okay. Well, I'll make sure you and Claude meet soon. Yeah, that is someone that certainly exudes love. And I love that Claude carries the title Chief Heart Officer. Mm -hmm. A company that I think of that I've experienced in multiple levels and know a lot of their stories, Southwest Airlines. Yes, Southwest Airlines. Yeah, one of them too. stock symbol is L-U-B, love. (laughs) And they are headquartered at Love Field in Dallas, Texas. I mean, so love is really... And the heart is in their logo. And that mm-hmm. is a company that brings it to life in so many ways. There are no perfect companies. There are no perfect leaders. Even the most loving people we know, the most loving leaders we know, have moments. Mm-hmm. Have their it's moments. Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am not proclaiming Southwest is perfect, but I just know that that is a company, story after story, that I know firsthand stories. It's just kind of like, wow. Yeah, love is really in action there. Mm-hmm. So, okay, love by example. Yes. <laughs> I believe that's become your signature line. Mm. Love by example. At least you've used it a lot with me, and it really mm-hmm. caught my attention, Lori. So let's talk about where did that come from for you? I mean, was it something that was conscious, or did just one day you hear yourself saying, We all know lead by example, but one day, where did it come from? Tell us. Yeah, I think it was just in conversation, probably similar to ours. And we're talking about love and talking about leadership. And then it just came out out of my mouth. I think it's time for us to love by example. And since then, and since someone repeated it back to me, because sometimes I say something and I don't realize I'm saying it, I just love it. I mean, I wrote a post about it. I say it all the time. I'm hashtagging it. I'm even hashtagging it on Claude's post because I feel she's someone who's loving by example. But yeah, it just sort of came about just from conversation organically and just something that I believe that it's time for us to do. And I feel it's a little bit different than leading by example. Although leading by example for me is defined by leading self first. And so maybe that's the similarity around what loving by example, but I also feel there is an energy of loving first, meaning it's hard, right? The whole idea of love is not common in the workplace. So in order for us to bring more love, I'm hoping that more and more of us are going to love by example and be the first to share it, to use the word, to say it more often, to love that person so that they can feel that love and then they're going to be so inspired by it that they're going to share it with others. Okay. I want to unpack this a little bit, but I was listening to you there and then I was thinking, oh, you shared a few moments ago. Well, the thought that hit me was you started talking about be the first one to talk about love, be the first one to talk about love. So Mm -hmm. you got rejected 
from a speaking opportunity because you were going to talk about love and what's mm-hmm. happened recently well i know it's been interesting since that moment i've been wanting to share more love i wrote this blog about why we hate love in the workplace again just to sort of pique people's interest hate is such a, a strong word and from that i have been on this journey of sharing the power of love and compassion in the workplace and for the longest time i would get rejected more not just from that one particular conference but some of the other hr conferences and only until last year in 2019 maybe the first one was actually october 2018. It was the Conference Board of Canada that said yes first. And then I got yes to speak at Work Human and then the HRPA conference, which is in Toronto. So these three large conferences basically said yes all at the same time. It was like the happiest moment to get all these yeses. And they wanted me to share love. And then since then, I've been having requests for, oh, Lori, can you have a group of CEOs? Can you share the power of love and compassion to work with? I'm like, sure. And I don't know if it's also because they're looking for something different, Kevin. Like there's a lot of conversations that's been, there's the usual topics, right, around leadership and presence and all that. And maybe people are now looking for something more personal, but also different to attract the leadership in that conversation. But I think there is just something shifting Mm. in the workplace and just in the world. I see a lot more hunger for the Mm -hmm. conversations Mm -hmm. and people really wanting to dive deeper. Tell us more. Help us understand what this love at work or love in the workplace looks like. Mm-hmm. So when you think of this love by example, mm-hmm. talk about a couple of examples that you see, or what do you hope happens when yeah. in the workplace? Mm-hmm. Okay, let me give you a for instance. Let's talk to somebody mm-hmm. that's listening to this, and they're like, they're thinking, oh my gosh, there is no love in the workplace here. Mm-hmm. I wish they would make it easier for us to have love in the workplace, right? So somebody that's in a leadership position or a middle management position or something, and there's not a lot of love, mm-hmm. does love have to start by the CEO? Mm. Or what can they do to love by example? Yes. No, it doesn't have to start with the CEO, although that would be ideal anyone because i believe that everyone is a leader so it doesn't matter we're not leaders by title or position we are a leader of self right so if we could even start with that that everyone has the ability to be a leader within their own lives and what that means is taking ownership for who you are as an individual start by getting curious about who you are. What are your values? What are your strengths? What are your origins, your past? What makes you unique and special? And that is a start before you even start sharing love with others. Start to love who you are as a person. My belief is that the leaders that I have been so fortunate to work with that have inspired me and that continue to inspire me are people who are really good with themselves. Mm. Kevin, like, you know, when you meet someone, you're just like, they're confident, they are humble, they can admit when they're wrong, they don't need to be perfect. They're just good with themselves. You just feel that groundedness. And I believe it's because they know who they are and they accept their whole being. Mm. And you can't accept your whole self if you don't know who you are. Mm. So step one, get to know who you are. Start embracing and acknowledging and accepting 
who you are, everything, black, gray, all your colors. And then that will slowly build your courage, your confidence to show up as your true authentic self. And then from that place, people will feel that. And then now you can let go of trying to be someone else, trying to compare, trying to be perfect, trying to be the best leader. Like you're just the best version of yourself. And then now you can focus on others. Hmm. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. What's your story? I know you have a story around this of learning to love yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, ooh, we would probably, I don't know how long we have for our podcast. We'd have to probably do a part two, but interesting enough, I know you mentioned this, that I am writing a, well, I don't know if you did, but I am writing a book called Love First, The Rest Will Follow. And it's been an interesting experience because the idea of writing a book about your story in itself is like a personal development experience. I highly recommend it. And what that experience is really uncovering for me is that I am already love. I was already born with love. The love that I'm seeking and searching for, or anyone, if whether you're just saying I'm searching for something about myself, is to come back home to who we truly are. We already are whole and complete, but along the way, we grew up, we had experiences in life, we got distracted, or we started to compare and start to think we were supposed to be something else to please other people. And then you realize as you get older, wait a minute, I'm actually good. I'm actually good. So it's just us falling back in love with ourselves. And that's my story. I'm just on this journey to come back home to my one true love, which is me. So your dream mm. for the workplace yes, and love in the workplace, so talk about that a moment. What would that look like? It can be one person. It could be millions of people. Like I know that lots of people have, oh, I want to touch a million people. For me, it's every person feeling that love for themselves so that they can love others. And so I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I, I dream of this workplace where people feel seen, heard, and cared for, loved. And that loving energy is shared with their customers, with their team members, but ultimately with their families. At the end of the day, like you said, it's all about relationships. And that's why love is the key is because that's the basis of relationships. And in the workplace, it's still relationships. At home, it's relationships. So if we could create the best workplace experience for our people that they are so excited and they share that with their kids and their wives and their husbands or their partners, that love is contagious. Right now, the toxic workplace is the fifth largest leading cause of death. That's what keeps me up at night. And if there's any way that we can minimize that fear-based toxic behaviors to a more loving place, wow, what a, what a world we could create. And it's already happening with the humans first. Yeah. And I know that our community is starting to spread that love and more and more people, it's going to make me cry, more and more people that we're connecting with is just going to feel the love. Mm -hmm. It's okay to cry. It's okay. <laughs> So two thoughts there. One, <laughs> I love this dream. And this is what Bob Chapman, who is a leader who wrote the book, Everybody Matters, and wants to have a workplace that cares for their employees. The dream he has is that when people go home at the end of the day, mm 
right? So you were just touching on this. This is what reminded me. When people go home at the end of the day, because they work in an environment of love versus an environment of toxicity, okay? So if you are in a toxic environment, let me ask the question. In your experience, whether that's personal or what you've observed with other companies you've known, worked with, when you work in a toxic environment, how are you as an employee when you leave at the end of a day of work? Mm -hmm. What's your status? What's your state of mind? What's mm -hmm. your emotional capacity when you're heading home to your family? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you asking me that question? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, from personal experience, when I was in this toxic environment, I was drained. I was tired. I lost myself. I wasn't eating. I wasn't focused, so I didn't do my best work. I didn't want to be around people. I felt lonely. I felt disconnected. Everything that you would feel from being burnt out or disengaged, all the things that leaders actually don't want their people to feel, but we are responsible for the environment if we don't right. fix it or create a positive environment. That's what's happening. That's what's breeding is those behaviors. And so I would feel those feelings. Right. So if you're in that feeling at the end of day and you go home, you are depleted, you're drained, there's nothing left for your family, right? So whether that's family, friends, community, wherever that is, at the end of the day, when you work in a toxic environment, you have nothing left. You are looking for an escape. That's right. If you leave a workplace of love, how do you leave at the end of the day? What's the contrast there? Yeah, you feel excited, you feel more connected, you feel trusted. There's a trust in there that you could leave and then you can also close the day feeling everything was done or at least people feel that they trust you that everything's done and then you can come back to work and be fully present yeah. for your loved ones. That's the thing is that you're not taking this energy around you and bringing it to your home place. Yeah. And not being able to set those boundaries, you can be fully present with your loved ones. You can look them in the eye and have a conversation. Your kids asking or wanting to share their day, you can say, I'm here. Yeah. And that's Bob's vision, right? That they send people home safe. They send people home fulfilled. And they send people home filled up and energized. So having done a great day's work, of meaningful work in an environment where you are loved and cared for. At the end of the day, when you go home, you have a deposit to share with your family. There's a surplus, right? So you can go wherever that is in the community or home. There's something left to give. You're not depleted and you're not just kind of like, leave me alone, right? Which so many people today, when they get home, they're done. They're spent. They're wiped out. There's nothing left. And so they're looking for something, right, to either veg out with or medicate the pain that they had from work. So that's what we're contrasting here. That's the toxic environment. The environments of love that at the end of the day, you still may be tired from a demanding day of work, but emotionally, you're not spent. Emotionally, you have something left. You may even have surplus more than you went with that day. Is that what you're talking about? That's perfect. Oh my gosh. I'm learning so much from our conversation, Kevin, because this is the exact, how I'm going to actually use this is another way because I talk about fear, but really it's about the two different 
ways that when you leave the end of the day, how do you want to be? Yeah. Right. And the key word when you talked about the loving workplace is fulfillment. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, we all want to be fulfilled in life. We want to look back and say, I had an amazing life because it was so fulfilled in all these different ways. And so that's the legacy. That's the dream. So that is love in the workplace. Mm-hmm. One way to look at love in the workplace. One way, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love it. So, Lori, is there something else that we've not yet included in this conversation? We already know we're going to have another one, but in this conversation that allows you to put a bow and feel good about the conversation we've shared today and that we've shared with you listening. What else would you like to say? Is there anything? The thing that I would end off, in addition to really taking the time to learn more about yourself and starting that journey, your love journey to loving yourself so that you can love others, is take a moment at the end of your day to reflect on that day, whether it's a moment of gratitude or just highlights of your day, but really check in before you come back home on your energy. I think if we start to do that and we start to be more mindful, again, not going to be a perfect place. You might still be working in an environment where it's toxic, but if you have that pause in that moment, then maybe you have a chance to then shift your energy and bring more love at home in the meantime until you do find a place where that just comes naturally. Because I think right now it's tricky to find the perfect place and the perfect manager, but we still have a chance as individuals to manage that a little so that when we come home, we have the intention of being more loving for our families and for ourselves. Thank you, Lori. For people mm-hmm. that want to take a next step with you, where do they go to do that? They can just Google. <laughs> yeah, they can just Google my name or they could go and connect with me on LinkedIn and connect with you as well. And I think let's keep the conversation going and continue to learn from each other. This is a lifelong journey, whether it's culture, leadership or love. It is a lifelong journey. Every day is a new day to be the best version of ourselves. Okay, so spell your name because some people, if they're trying to look for you, your name is not spelled the way it sounds. So, okay, I will spell it. So, Lori is L O R I E, and the last name is C O R C U E R A. Yeah, it has a Q sound, but it's spelled with a C. So, look Lori up. She's very accessible and eager to connect. Lori, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Kevin, for that loving conversation. What about you, I'm wondering? How comfortable are you with the topic of love in the workplace? Is love a word that gets used? Or is there some proxy word that people in your organization are much more comfortable with than love? If that's the case, why do you think that is? I'd love to know. And I'm also really curious, as Lori and I talked, you've probably experienced a toxic culture with fear-based leadership, but have you encountered love at work? And what does that look like? And then finally, who is someone you respect that loves by example? And what will you do this week to love by example? I want to leave you with a challenge. 
Whenever it is that you hear this conversation, will you do something every day for the next seven days to lift and encourage others? That's a challenge. I'm currently embracing it and I'm extending to others. And it's one way to love by example. Hey, in past years, I've made it a point to host at least one conversation about love in the month of February, usually around Valentine's Day. Well, I'm a little nervous to say this, but if everything unfolds the way it's planned, and it doesn't always, but if it does, we're going to have a month full of conversations that are all somehow connected to the topic of love. Very different conversations, each of them, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode. If there's something you've heard in this episode or any episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast that you want to explore in conversation, or if you want to make space in your organization for more love, let's have a conversation. All you have to do is email me at kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com, or you can call or text me at 678-744-5111, and early this morning, my friend Steve Foran, as he was listening to the podcast, once again, stopped the podcast and say, hey Siri, call Kevin. So I love it when that happens. So until you and me, until we have the opportunity to connect again, and I hope it's sooner rather than later, I want to encourage you to take the next step on your journey on the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. It matters, and you are making a difference.